Lion-hearted cedar forest, gonads for our thunder. Even if you are very far away, we invoke you. Give us our hollow heads of long drums, antelopes for the cedar forest, swifter messengers than flash of beacon flame, we invoke you. Hide us, deliver us from our nakedness. Many-fingered cane break, exile for our laughter. Even if you are very far away, we invoke you. Come, limber our raw hides of antelopes, thunder of tanks of giant iron steps of detonators. Fail safe from the clearing, we implore you. We are tuned for a feast of seven souls. Lament of the Drums by Christopher of Kigbo. Ashe. <laughs> Dead. Well, welcome again to another episode of African Digits. Do you dig it? <laughs> and today we are going to be talking about embracing the gri gri. Embracing the gri gri. Yeah, I think it's something we've been going back and forth in terms of mentioning it, and mm -hmm. we thought it would be useful to have an entire episode dedicated to friend. What? what is the Greek Greek to you? I don't know why you always ask me questions like that, because I don't know, but... <laughs> <laughs> but you do know, and I think that's one aspect of the Greek Greek that we need to truly embrace. So maybe how we're going to do this is just by literally embracing the Greek Greek. So we're going to talk about the Greek Greek through the method of the Greek Greek. Okay? Okay. okay. I'm not rolling my <laughs> eyes. You are. But I understand, and, and I agree. Mm -hmm. But to contextualize why we speak about the Grigri is because... Wait, what do you mean? I mean, where does it... I mean, we know where it comes from, yes. but I mean, like, why it's in our particular imaginary at the moment. Why it's at the tip of our minds because of the exhibit at the Pomona College Art Museum, or mm -hmm. Museum of Art, whichever mm -hmm. one works. There's an exhibition by Todd Gray, curated by Nana Duse Opoku, not really. It's not? It's no. not. The entire program is by her. Yes. Anyway, as I was saying, there's an exhibit at Pomona College Museum of Art showing some artworks by Todd Gray under the title of Euclidean Grigri, where it's, you could say, collage of sorts, of so frame upon frame, and of pictures of gardens in Paris and some gardens and spaces in South Africa and in Ghana. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just not Paris, there's Belgium. Oh, there's Belgium there. too. There's, I think there's, yeah, there's also London. I mean, like Britain. But is it but specifically in the one that in the museum at the moment? Yes, there's mm -hmm. one at a museum that I went to. That's, I mean, not a museum, um, a garden. Mm -hmm. I think it's the Kew Gardens, which is this ephemeral space that's... Like, have you ever seen nature so plastic? <laughs> okay. No, okay, rather, let me not say that. Like, it's so manicured to a certain preciseness that makes it unnatural mm -hmm. but it's very beautiful and it's very scenic so yes pretend it's also in that mix like you can't talk about imperialism without invoking the british empire mm -hmm. so, yes and control i mean gardens are very interesting almost expression of the desire to colonize mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and but 
Grigri. <laughs> Let's not run away from... Yeah, we could really talk about gardens as a space of, of colonialism, really. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have a point there. So the Grigri, in reference to this, is this juxtaposition, I suppose, that Todd Gray found in in his process of creation and coming, being a photographer in America and then going to work in Ghana. And I don't know what he found within himself, but he found something. <laughs> oh, if I could contextualize it, when yeah. we had dinner with him, um, he was talking about the the contradictions that he felt within himself, mm-hmm. or rather the cognitive dissonance that he experienced while at the Bellagio residency, where he was in this very imperial institution with people that, you know, like you are the honorary black people. So there mm-hmm. was him, and then there was, I think, Francis Nyamonja, Cameroonian-born professor at... University of Cape Town. And so he was struggling with the idea of him being able to produce work within such colonial violent institutions. Mm-hmm. And in a conversation he was having with Francis, he basically got the idea, you know, how would you process your feelings at the moment into work? Mm-hmm. And so that's when he was like, hmm, how can I turn over? my experience here. Mm-hmm. Like, how can I use this space to articulate how I'm feeling and stuff like that? So that's actually how he ended up doing the gardens, at least the Europe, in the European sense. Like, mm-hmm. That started from there. And then he obviously had photos and stuff that he had taken while in Ghana, South Africa, and so then it all came together. And I guess this is where the whole, I don't really think we're talking about his work necessarily, but where the Grigri comes in. And I think that's where the Grigri came in, Mm -hmm. in the sense that he went back to his archive and he was like, what can I do with this? And so a lot of it was play in terms Mm -hmm. of, you know, looking at past images, bringing them together, the framing of Mm -hmm. images that you wouldn't necessarily think of being together, you know? Like whether it's like the ship of fools with something else or like the Cape Town um, photo of the wine, the vineyards burning burning and stuff around being like, you know, that's the trophy of European modernization or colonial modernization. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's pretty much the spiel of the Mm Grigri and why that has taken a center stage in our thought process um, over the past few months. Yeah, but it's it's really expanded um, my way of thinking in mm-hmm. ways that I had not anticipated. Just in the sense that I think being of Kenyan origin and then moving through institutions that glorified a certain way of learning, I think you have the Grigri beaten out of you. And yes, I do know that we have not really spoken and or rather directly. Um, stated what the Greek way is, Mm -hmm. but you have it beaten out of you in the sense that you are taught what is right in terms of whether it's the language you speak in, the way you articulate what you're trying to say, the methods through which you come to your conclusions, things like that. And so it's interesting why it's like an almost reckoning at the end, so-called end of my 844 in Kenyan sense learning, whereby Mm -hmm. I end up where I had begun as a child. Mm -hmm. Because as a child, you learn how you learn. Like in the sense that there are no limits or there's no right way to understand the world. You feel it very intuitively. Mm -hmm. 
and the entire process of academia is such that it is beaten out of you in mm -hmm. some way. It disciplines, you know, like the whole notion of academic yes. discipline. Mm -hmm. It is basically to discipline you out of non-disciplinary forms of oh, learning yeah. through methods, through approaches, mm -hmm. through things like that. Through things and that so, have yeah. been tried exactly. and experimented mm -hmm. by other people, validated, mm -hmm. and so on. And often, and I mean, perhaps that is because we are studying in the U.S., but I mean, I think even locally, if you think about studying back in Nairobi, for in my case, I don't necessarily think it's limited to the Western academic institution, mm -hmm. like in the sense that that beating out is in all systems. And obviously that is a product of colonialism yeah. and other things, but yeah, I th that's worth noting. <clears throat> so I guess in, in terms of embracing the Grigri, in this, now that we've brought up our academic disciplines, is yeah, we're really searching for how are other ways that we can know, right? I mean, we've really been looking at images, we've been looking at art, and seeing them say more than, how can it be? Giving them more meaning than one would have found before. And especially the, the idea of attributing meaning to it as opposed to assuming that it's a given. I think part of the Grigri is, is, in some ways this is within the discipline but also outside of it, but embracing the Grigri is allowing yourself to see within an image something beyond in artist's intentionality, mm -hmm. I would almost venture to say sometimes. But it's also like, hmm, I feel like I, feel like I hear Christina Sharp speaking about um, Black knowledge is experiential, but also mm -hmm. beyond that, as mm -hmm. learning the history of, of, of slavery beyond what's been written, mm -hmm. but also what you f intuitively feel, mm -hmm. as though there there is knowledge about that historical or that historical position that mm -hmm. we can still understand from today. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to someone about the genetics of trauma, in terms of looking at if trauma is inherited, if if like your genes can be passed down and they spoke about how, I don't know if it was in Ireland or if it was Netherlands, there was a famine, a really bad famine, that of course changed people's responses to like how they like dieted, well this is very clean, but <laughs> how they, how their body, body functioned in terms of like processing food and all that, that it was passed down to their children. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the famine was over by the time the children were born, so that they even adapted out of whatever people adapted to from the drought. Um, but the thing is, the adaptations that their parents had to the drought were passed on. Mm. In terms of that trauma, was just like literally passed on, um, such that their children were ready in case that thing happened again. And I remember telling my friend, like, "Wow, if that was one generation of trauma, if we're talking about slavery, that that thing, you know, progresses. It goes on further, such that I think there is knowledge. I think that one can find about slavery and looking into that history within one's experiences day to day." beyond a systematic analysis of like, okay, the system hasn't changed, but also maybe there is an intuition, a story within ourselves that one, that you can glean into to find a, a memory, a mm -hmm. historiography within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is part of the Grigri. Yeah, and I think what you're speaking about in some sense is like the affective nature of knowledge that's often... Um, put aside, um, especially outside of disciplines that encourage experiential ways of knowing. So like for instance, within um, gender studies, Africana studies, regional or area studies, there is a certain flexibility that allows for the Grigri to take place. 
I'm, for instance, right now writing uh, a thesis on railways. And you can't talk about the Kenya-Uganda railways without talking about the Nandi. But an interesting narrative or oral history amongst them is a history of prophecy mm -hmm. and iron snakes and so-called totems in the form of lions that I have to consciously remind myself that it is a true history. Mm -hmm. I, I don't even know if it's true as opposed to a complete history mm -hmm. because I think so many times I find myself apol being apologist about it in terms of I don't know how to really talk about this or mm -hmm. I don't know if it's historical mm -hmm. and I think that that's something that I had to sit back and ask myself who said so you know mm -hmm. like in the sense that you think about religion you think about um, Christianity and a lot of that is metaphysical mm -hmm. you know you think about um, Zeus and all that stuff and in some sense there is that value ascribed to it mm -hmm. but when it comes to ways of knowing that are effective that are greedy that are what some people call juju you know embracing a spiritual sense of knowing mm -hmm. I don't know why when it comes to Africa the diaspora that suddenly that's relegated to inferiority that's relegated to before civilization or before mm -hmm. you know development modernization etc and i think something interesting is like i don't necessarily think it's a binary mm -hmm. between what we knew then or rather euclidianness and like the period that could be considered um prior to that but my curiosity comes in in the ways that within this logic of white supremacy we d we as africans let me say um, don't have the ability or the comfort in having those two side by side because mm -hmm. I, I don't want to portray it in a way that, that i'm saying you know do away with the euclidean that's not yeah. necessary i think there's a duality in all of us mm -hmm. and i think what i'm trying to work towards is a comfort in having that duality play out in myself mm -hmm. in ways that nurture both sides of me right mm -hmm. so the scholarly academia being disciplined into a historian mm -hmm. sense of me but also the being that i am mm -hmm. and the ways that i am able to incorporate a more decolonized history because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a history major and, and you can't talk about history without critiquing the discipline itself yeah yeah and so i think that that's something that you know this introduction to the Grigri really enabled me to deconstruct in mm -hmm. ways that i hadn't been able to articulate before mm -hmm. and i think this might be maybe um just invoking it in there or adding that to the spice i think this might be a useful place to you know mm -hmm. invoke what um the speaker this week Antonio ajabe uh found of chimuranga talked about when looking at how Grigri methods such as sound mm -hmm. enable how they enable people to articulate their ways their knowledge their intellectualism in ways that writing or the euclidean methods do not allow mm -hmm. so for instance when he was comparing how in the conversation on african literature you know it'll always be like 
what, what, what language, language should be writing. Mm -hmm. You know, like, so you have the Welishoyinkas on mm -hmm. one side, um, and then you have the Gugiwatnyongos on the other, trying to look at what an authentic African, African literature or uh, writing is. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it's the same thing that you can even, funny enough, look at play when it comes to art, you know, mm -hmm. like the notion of the categorization of African art yeah. as a category when you will never hear anything like European art or yeah. American art. I mean, you will hear black art, which is still, I think, playing within the same discourse of categorization. But, um, but yeah, but like he was talking about how sound, yeah. like nobody is insecure about the language. And, stuff like that. and so I guess, yes, I, I do agree with him in terms of there's something there that mm -hmm. we, we need to tap into. Yeah. 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 There's a certain way of, of knowledge and of being that I think we're almost rejecting, relegating to mm -hmm. the side that mm -hmm. I think we, we have to search into. I mean, I find this, these conversations always interesting, especially like in terms of Grigri, Juju specifically, mm -hmm. within, within like let's say modern Africans, whatever, whatever. <laughs> modern in terms of, that's even qualified urban. Yeah, urban, urban, urban. Africans. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like coming to America, right, is what almost allows us to, with some audacity, like now, and comfort, speak about Juju. Because mm. being back home and speaking about this is hey. very hey. different experience. <laughs> um, Exorcism happening right there and there. Right? Because <laughs> at home, low-key, sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready. Cause, because, like, I, to be honest, I'd be afraid. Like, in, in terms of, because I, I do understand that there's, there's the, the juju that people, people stereotype as, where it's like, your poisons, your curses to other people. Let's, let's keep going. I'm out of, that's the end of the list. That's the stereotype. But there's really the, the actual, like, spiritual part of it, mm -hmm. right? In terms of a connection to an ancestors, right? Mm -hmm. a, a certain, there, there, there's historiography right there, right? Mm -hmm. People know who came before them, mm -hmm. right? There's a form of knowledge of understanding your past, understanding where it come from that exists within this specific, or in these spiritual practices, which I think would be great to further qualify. But not a lot of people do that. I mean, they do, they're usually anthropologists. I don't think it's, how to put it, we haven't found within ourselves the comfort to go and search for what African spiritualities mean. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the Grigri, at least how we're speaking about it in terms of embracing the Grigri, embracing a, embracing the historiography that can exist within the soundscape, I think is the beginning of, of almost a process of not going back, but going to, going towards the Greek, mm -hmm. going towards this spiritual form of knowing that we have to like actually go and do it and go see it. Because I feel like the Grigri is, 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 how do I put it? It's like we're playing with it. Mm. For now, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like I mean, let's just start. With, Tagre just grabbed a pencil, drew on a wall, let let whatever ideas just speak to him, speak through him, and whatnot. I feel that's just the beginning, mm. right? And we might be afraid of what c must come after that, because like a greater commitment to the idea of the Greek. What would that mean? Yeah. Right, as opposed to a something that is coloring your experiences with uh, the Euclidean. Right. Uh -huh. You're a photographer, so I'm just going to embrace the Grigri while I'm pressing the button. What would it mean to like go have that as that? a method? Have that as a method. Have that as a, as a way of actually being, as opposed to just what you use to make your art. Mm -hmm. um, 
I feel like that's the next step of embracing the Grigri. And I feel like it's a, it's a, I will say it's a very scary step. Mm. Um, in terms of first taking away the thoughts and the, and the preconceptions that already color the notions behind African spiritualities and spiritual practices. But then also just dealing with the unknown. Mm -hmm. it's, just, it's really just like dealing with the unknown. Yeah. And I think, I mean, so a, a, a scholar coming next semester to a school, Tina Kant, offers perhaps a gateway to us thinking about what next in mm -hmm. terms of, yes, there's this idea and we're playing around with it. You know, we are able to contextualize some things in the aspect of the Grigri, whether it's, you know, you take photos and they come out not as planned, but, you know, going with the flow that is the Grigri, you transform them into new things. And maybe um, in the words of Buchema Chetta when she's, you know, narrativizing Kehinde, her character, like that notion of listening to the chi in mm -hmm. some ways. So Tina Kampt in her book, Listening to Images, deals with archival images from South Africa, um, America, and the UK. And basically, and, and, I, and, I, and something worth noting here is she uses images that weren't meant for the black eye, for the mm -hmm. African eye to see. They saw images, colonial images, um, you know, segregation images, mm -hmm. images for the state. So like whether it was identity photography, such as IDs in Kenya, maybe you'd think about it in relation to Kipande photos mm -hmm. and how, you know, that was not for your family, that was not for your children, your grandchildren to see, but it was really for the state yeah. used as items. And I mean, images themselves as images of capture you know, to, to take hold of the mm -hmm. person. She uses images um, and the idea of listening to them mm -hmm. and the idea of haptics that, that come through the images. So, for instance, an example is she takes these anthropological images of a certain community in South Africa, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, think about it like in the sense that, you know, images you'd see in National Geographic talking about the quote-unquote tribes of mm -hmm. Africa or things like that. You know, just this grossly anthropological images that stagnate African identities, mm -hmm. that, you know, place it within the age of the prehistoric mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And so she uses those images that in, in different readings would be very violent, and she takes them, and she decides to look at things like muscular tension. Mm -hmm. She decides to look at the way the direction that we were not staring. Mm -hmm. And that idea of tenseness in itself being an act of black refusal, mm -hmm. right? And then, for instance, when she's looking at diaspora images in the, I think it was the 60s or 70s, when um, black Caribbeans were moving to the UK. Mm -hmm. And so they had to do a lot of like identity photographs for passports for migration. And looking at to their stance, their gaze, and stuff like that, you really listen to the silent haptics mm -hmm. that come through their work, or that's, uh, that's articulated through the photographs, right? Even thinking about contemporary times, because mm -hmm. I think one thing that I'd really want people to get out of this episode is how 
how that's relevant to us, mm -hmm. how we can use it in our spaces, whether it's not, what, and they may not be academic spaces, yeah. but just how we see the world, how we read the world in our day to day. And so at the end, she talks about, you know, like how images, especially this is in the context of America, whereby when black people are shot down by, in the realm of police violence mm -hmm. or quote unquote brutality, um, how there was a campaign that was once done where it was um, something to do of like, like when they shoot me. Mm -hmm. So this, this invoking of futurity in the present yeah. and them putting images of who they actually are versus the photos that they would be, sh that would be shown. Mm -hmm. And so how even through, I'd argue the digital, digital media kind of has a, louder haptic. I don't mm -hmm. think it's as silent as a cable images. It's much louder. It's much more brazen in its own nature. Mm -hmm. But like how our ability to claim knowledge, to be able to, and I think interpretation really gives us that space to not say, I don't know, yeah. but to come from a place of what do I know? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something really useful in terms of her method and in terms of how we can and as a hist and as a, as someone studying history, I think I I found it really useful mm -hmm. because you know I go through all these archival British documents, documents from the 1800s, this. 1900s, and they use terrible language, and the images they take are so um, discomforting in just how they represent or they present Africanness, Indianness. Um, mm -hmm in the sense of Kenya. But this gives me a new method mm -hmm. in terms of reading through the Gregory, but also really being able to assert a certain kind of knowledge mm -hmm. that I'm not gonna get in any textbook yeah. or anything of sort. So I thought that was useful in terms of like, perhaps a gateway. I don't think she necessarily fully captures it because perhaps she would have needed to know the Gregory to be able to claim that that was a method. Mm -hmm. But I, I personally interpret her work as something along that line and yeah. a lot of critical theory, even when we're thinking about slavery and all that. Mm -hmm. But last thing, um, you know, you talk about trauma and you talk about it passing through generations and you talk about the usefulness in understanding it from a different realm than the material, the social, the political mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I wonder what it would look like if we as um, intellectuals from Africa mm -hmm. started looking at colonialism within that realm. Because I, I haven't really read much, yeah. you know, in terms of how, you know, you talk about neocolonialism, you talk about um, colonial legacy and stuff like that, but there's a certain nature to who we are that can be tied back to colonialism yeah. and the harmful effects from, you know, 1884 yeah. to 1960s. Those were years, those were decades. Yeah. And perhaps I think there might be a more useful way to look at it mm -hmm. if we take the Grigri method. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I have to agree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the history of colonialism is, is, is wow, it's complicated. I, fi I find the historiography very, there's so many silences mm -hmm. in between it. I mean, like you hear about, you know, French, French direct rule versus British indirect rule. Um, what, did it, what did it mean within, let's say, a specific colony to be colonized by anything, right? How far was this colonialism? Did everyone understand, not understand, did everyone 
was everyone under the same thing, right? Because I think about Mozambique, and I'm like, yeah, if you keep going a bit north, you know, some people were really undisturbed by the fact that this thing happened. So it's like, how do we really, how do we talk about this, mm -hmm. right? Even in terms of, I mean, like, you even take that to, to analyzing nationalism, patriotism. Who's really feeling this government? Who's really feeling the nation? And, and I feel like the Grigri, maybe, is, is what can allow us to, like, add a bit of noise to, like, these silences mm. of, like, what, what was this history, right? Because, like, we, we really do hear about what was the, the effect on the economy? Mm -hmm. What was the effect on the politics? I mean, like, we're still doing the exact same <laughs> politics. But, <laughs> I mean, but you still, you, it's just really glaring mm -hmm. how, how much of the, of a framework we've been given and keep using to analyze colonialism as opposed to starting to find new ways of knowing really how that history happened. And creating and you, new frameworks. Yeah, new, new frameworks for, for us to For people to mm -hmm. keep on adding to that uh, exactly. historiography exactly. yeah and I, and I think it's one radical aspect of working through the method of the Greek Greek is that it's not a space for exclusion it's mm -hmm. not a space for condensation which is something that happens a lot in academia where it's about disproving aspects yeah. but it's a space that allows for a multiplicity in the story mm -hmm. like for instance when Ntone was talking about he was not interested in the true story or different angles of the story, but the idea that within the story, mm -hmm. there are multiple stories. Story. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's something that, you know, walking through the Greek and thinking about colonization in terms of what did it do to the spirit? Mm -hmm. when it, you know, we, we focus so much on Africa before colonization and all that stuff. And it's hard within the metrics of, you know, um, social sciences, humanities, to truly speak about that comparison mm -hmm. when a lot of the structures that came after were artificial. So what are you comparing to? Mm -hmm. The only thing that I think you can compare to is the spirit because mm -hmm. that's, you know, through DNA. That, yeah. That's something that's formidable. That's something that could be passed along where in a period where these institutions didn't necessarily exist yeah. as is. Yeah. And it's, I mean, and it's scary work because mm -hmm. what does it mean to be in a conference and talk about, you know, the Greek? Mm -hmm. Like, you can imagine that oral history already is such a yeah. contested space. Mm -hmm. So now imagine you invoking, you know, the Greek and you claiming that that is a, a valid way of learning in spaces that have for so long relegated it to the side so yeah it's i mean it is but but there's still hope you know yeah, of course there's, there's still hope in the sense that artists are doing it mm -hmm. um and the more and more we have people in spaces to be able to bring such intellectuals such thinkers such artists together to keep on pushing that message mm -hmm. the more people like us can embrace it, the more people who are listening to this can think about ways of inserting it into their lives. Yeah. But also the ways in which, because we really, as people of my generation, and particularly living in urban spaces, mm -hmm. I think the Euclidean in the process of beating out the Greek in us has also created a disconnect in terms of our understanding of the land 
and where the spaces we inhabit mm -hmm. and the culture of our people and all that. And I don't think it's necessarily a way to go back mm -hmm. and fix that. I don't think it fixes, but it leaves a space for gentleness, yeah. for care, through the gravy. Through the gravy. <sighs> I mean, but yeah, I mean, this is this is this is a very like it's a very interesting conversation that I mm -hmm. think has holds so much within it. Mm -hmm. And I think it is. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not here to add anything new. I need to conclude. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm concluding right now. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's a very like Rigby is very. It's very contested. Let me put it, it that is. way. Within academia, but also within outside, ourselves. Outside, exactly, and within ourselves. Because bringing this conversation to my parents, right? Such that they're, they're, the battle with, with accepting or denying the Grigiri, right, is, 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 there's almost, there would be not that many people on your side, right? It, it is, it would be a new, new exploration, quote unquote, mm -hmm. at least in an urban space, because mm -hmm. once you leave that, then like, things kind of change. Like, duh. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, I don't know, I feel like there's, there's so much knowledge that like, exists here. Mm -hmm. There's so much um, ways of perceiving that I think can be tapped into in the Grigi, but it requires a lot of strength and courage. Because mm -hmm. this is, I mean, embracing the Grigi, I think, is a very spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. It's spiritual, but it's also internal. Yeah. And I think that that's maybe what I can see someone listening to this, like a listener, being like, <laughs> okay, so what's the point of this, right? And I think even with the title we gave of embracing the Grigi, you know, it's less about inculcating it into the system or pushing for mm -hmm. it as a valid way of knowing, but it's more of starting from the space of that internal journey mm -hmm. that we all have to partake in our search for decolonized knowledge, decolonized education, decolonized living. And there's no way we can decolonize without looking at what was there before mm -hmm. and how to inculcate that to our sense of being Internally, and I guess that that really is the point of this episode in terms of perhaps posing that challenge mm -hmm. to ourselves, mm -hmm. but also to the people listening, of ways in which they can recenter themselves yeah. in a way that's less obstructive than than what Euclidean models offer us yeah. as learners, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and. You know, don't freak out. We are not about to do anything, you know, rad in this sense that like, like don't run away now that you heard that we are trying to <laughs> do gree-gree, you know? But if you also know people who can teach us more about <laughs> the gree-gree, we are open to um, learning. So yeah. let's connect. All um, right. Wow. We'll, All right, what? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we'll eventually have an outro. I don't know how this works, but... You'll have a what? An outro. I don't know what that means. Intro? Oh, outro. I see. I see, but I don't know him. No, this is embracing the group of people, okay? I feel like that would be It's a lie. We're going to add it at the end. <laughs>